Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, so you know that thing where you're trying to cook or send an email or just take a freaking poop in peace, but your kids won't cut you a break? Well, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are working on a book that'll include real tips from real parents on creative ways to get some me time. I know you've got these kinds of wins, right? I bet they're weird and fun. You know you've got them. Here's how you submit your win. We really want to hear yours. Go to longestshortesttime.com and click participate. Then just fill out the weird parenting wins form. It's super easy, super quick. And thanks. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. We have arrived at the third episode of our series, It's a Real Mother, all about discrimination against working moms. If you haven't heard the first two episodes, go check them out. They're numbers 141 and 142. So far in the series, we've been hearing a whole lot about the ways that our culture makes it hard to be a working parent. So today, for some good news, we'll visit a workplace that's supporting working parents in a really surprising way. Producer Kristen Clark is going to bring us that story. But first, um, something a little personal. As we were putting this show together, Kristen and I were talking, and I started telling her about this thing that happened to me a long time ago. And I realized... There's a reason this discrimination stuff is so under my skin. It's a topic I've been thinking about for years. I got started in radio in kind of a crazy way. It was 1999. I was living in New York, going to art school, like drawing naked people all day long. And I would listen to the radio on my Walkman while I drew. And I kind of started feeling like what I actually wanted to do was make radio. Now, there were only a handful of shows on public radio at the time. It was super competitive. There weren't a lot of jobs. And people told me the only way to get one of those jobs was to have an unpaid internship. I couldn't afford to do that. So I decided I was going to get sneaky and break in in a different way. What I did was... I made a This American Lifestyle story using a microcassette answering machine and a shiny red boombox. I first became aware of Jamie's fascination with the end of the world when we lived together in Boston. We were in the kitchen. My story, it sounded really amateurish. Like, you could hear all the clicks and pops from where I was pressing the pause button. He paced around a bit and said... So, on a scale of 1 to 10... How much do you think that the world is going to end? I FedExed the tape to This American Life. And a couple days later, Ira Glass called me. 
left a message on my answering machine. I called him back from a payphone, and he asked me to be a contributor to the show. From there, I moved to Chicago, and I started freelancing. I reported stories for places like Marketplace, Studio 360, Morning Edition. It was high-stakes deadline work, like lots of late nights, lots of running your CD to FedEx just minutes before they close to file your story. I was barely making any money. I was just getting by. But it was glorious in that workaholic 20-something kind of way. There were lots of other young people around me doing the same thing. We were in it together, you know, rushing around, finding stories. I mean, all right, maybe we were kind of elbowing each other a little bit along the way, but we were all climbing this mountain together. One day, though, I remember kind of looking up at everyone and thinking, wait a second, where are the moms? Nobody hears a mom. I mean, there were moms at the radio station, but most of them were in administrative jobs. Not many reporters or producers like I was. I was pretty sure I wanted to be a mom someday. But it also felt really far away. It was hard to even imagine. Every once in a while, though, I'd start wondering, how will I make it work, having a baby and a demanding job? And then I'd just slap those thoughts away and go back to thinking about my next deadline. It was too scary to think about not being able to have one or the other. So I figured... I'd just deal with it when I had to. And then I had to. In 2010, a decade after I first started working in radio, I'd gotten married, moved to Philadelphia. I'd landed this incredible gig, masterminding a big audio tour. I got to do all the sound design. I got to hire all my favorite producers from around the country. And I was able to get them paid fairly for probably the first time in their careers for freelance audio work. I felt like I had reached the top of the mountain. But that's when I realized, at the top of the mountain, there was a cliff. I I got pregnant in the middle of this project, and a couple of months before I was due, I told my boss I wanted to take a maternity leave, like six weeks or something. I offered to find a replacement, take a pay cut. My boss didn't like the sound of that. She said... I could take two weeks. And she told me that should be enough time because I'd get bored after a couple weeks anyway and I'd want something to do. You know, I can be kind of a workaholic. I've never really said no to working hard or to long hours. But this two-week thing, it didn't feel right to me. And weirdly, the way I was treated made me feel like I was just being unreasonable and complaining. Ultimately, this woman and I, we just couldn't see eye to eye. And even though I loved this job and wanted to stay, I didn't feel like I had a choice. I quit. A few months later, there was a big opening ceremony for the tour. I was invited, and I went, because this project meant a lot to me. I actually brought my baby with me. My former boss stood up there uh, at a microphone in front of the crowd, and she was talking about how awesome and innovative this tour was. And she made a big deal of thanking the person who had replaced me. She knew I was there, and she never mentioned my name. 
in that moment, it felt like all the work I'd done up to that point in my career had just been wiped out. Like I, I could just imagine applying for jobs and, and people calling my last employer to ask about this thing, the, the most impressive thing on my resume. And what would she say? Like, Hillary was great until she had a kid. And then she just wasn't committed to the work. For the first time, I realized being a mom was a liability. I've actually heard this from other moms I've talked to, that they feel the need to hide the fact that they're parents, like be a closet mom if you want to be taken seriously. When my daughter was about a year old, I started applying to jobs, but I wasn't having a lot of luck. So I started to think, maybe I need a career change. Wait, really? What were you going to do? <laughs> hey, Kristen. Um, so my producer, Kristen Clark, has been sitting in the studio the whole time I've been recording this. <laughs> yep. So wait, though, what was your new career going to be? I, I started applying to social work school. I wanted to work with moms. Well, it's your destiny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, I mean, man, it, it's lovely that you wanted to help moms, but God, as a woman working in radio, that is terrifying to hear. Like, here you were at this really promising point in your career. You've developed all of these specialized skills and this whole network, and you were finally, like, finally hitting your stride. You should be one of the most hireable people in town. And that is exactly when you run into this cliff. Yeah, and, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I know. But, I mean, hey, I guess your story has a happy ending, right? Yeah, I mean, like this podcast, right? Like I, I started making this podcast in my spare time, like while my daughter was napping, because I was afraid of being discriminated against. I, I wanted to have a calling card to, to prove that even as a mom, I still had chops. And then I got lucky, like podcasting exploded and the thing that was supposed to get me a job became the job. And the rest is history. <laughs> I guess you make the rules now. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I created my own job. I, I'm a job creator. I gave you yours. <laughs> you did. But I mean, inventing an entire new career for yourself should not be the only answer to this problem, you know? Oh, totally. So, I mean, I really wanted to know, is there a model out there that doesn't routinely throw moms off a cliff? You know, is there any company that's actively trying to make this work for new parents? That is a great question. Yeah. Kristen Clark, can you answer that question for me? I think I can. So when we come back, I'm going to tell you about an adventure I went on deep into the New Hampshire wilderness to visit a workplace that is totally embracing parenthood and babies. Actually, literally embracing the babies. <laughs> All right. Stay with us. Say advertisement. Advertisement. Good job. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. 
We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Say big on Menard's great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. <laughs> We are back, and I'm here again with my producer, Kristen Clark. So Kristen, before the break, um, you were on a mission to find a company that supports parents actively. Right. I was on a mission to find a company that is not pushing moms off cliffs. <laughs> All right. So, so tell us the story. All right. So to start off, I want to introduce you to Stephanie Ritchie. About 10 years ago, she was working at this little skincare company called Badger, and she and her boss, Jessica, were the company's entire sales team. And my boss sat down one day and said, oh, you know, I'm pregnant. And I said, me too. What's your due date? September 15th. Me too. And so we had this moment where we realized that we would both be uh, having a baby at the same time. Oh, no, the cliff. Exactly. Stephanie and Jessica were like, yay! And then, crap, now we have to tell our CEO. (laughs) All I remember was the two of them came to me with a a paper bag, and they said, there's something we want to tell you. This is Bill White. He's the founder of Badger. And they took out a bottle of tequila and some lime and salt to prepare me. And I said, you're both quitting. And they said, no, we're both going to have babies, and they're due on the same day. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to lose two key people at the exact same point in time. We anticipated a little bit of panic and maybe a few shots of tequila for him, two at least. I don't drink, so, uh, but I was charmed by their approach. <laughs> he refused the tequila and only gave hugs and was very excited. Bill loves babies. And so this was, um, he was overjoyed. So that's not the reaction that a lot of bosses would have to this news, Uh, but Bill's not your average employer. And the thought of having two babies come into the office at once actually seemed very exciting to him. Hillary, did you hear that? Two babies at once, like for a visit? Not exactly. Stephanie's company, Badger, has a babies at work program. So it wasn't just like a one-day baby visit they're talking about here. Stephanie and her boss, Jessica, were planning to bring their babies into the office with them all day, every day, for months. Whoa. Right. (laughs) I feel like this is the part where, like, we cue infant screams wafting over tops of cubicles. Right. That's exactly what I thought, too. (laughs) So are you ready to hear those baby screams? Bring it on. Okay. Get ready for it. Crickets. Yeah, literal, literal crickets. I actually recorded this at Badger. (laughs) At the office? Well, okay, outside of their office, their headquarters is surrounded by forest. And, okay, to be fair, there are no babies at this workplace right now. The next one's expected to arrive in June of 2018. But I still really wanted to know what kind of company does this and how does it actually work? All right, so what kind of company does do this? So, as I mentioned, Badger is a skincare company. They make organic skincare products and balms, you know, the kind of stuff that comes in little round tins at Whole Foods and smells really good. Yeah, I think I've seen it. Don't they have like a little illustration of a badger on the packaging? Exactly. That's it. Um, So they're based in Gilsom, New Hampshire. It's this little rural town of 800 people. 
And I should just preface all of this by saying that I have never seen a company like this before. It's, um, I'll just, I'll just play the tape. Okay. So we're here we are on a beautiful morning. I can hear the crickets. Yeah. This is Jody Turner. She works in accounting and she gave me the grand tour. And as we're looking out, we can see our garden. We have a labyrinth. We have grass. We have plants. We have trees. Everything is beautiful. This garden is used for our organic lunches that we provide for our staff every day. Okay, so these guys are hardcore granola. The company hosts workshops for their employees on biodynamic composting and artisanal bread making. So this is our fitness area, and um, we have several different weight programs. Are those aerial yoga ropes? Is that what that is? (laughs) Okay. We we just had a workshop on um, silk ropes and how to, to work with them. I personally have not done them. Aerial yoga. Oh my God. Can you imagine if we had that in our office, like during lunch, just looking over (laughs) and watching our editor, Peter Clowney, perfecting his one-legged king pigeon pose? (laughs) Oh God, I would pay anything to see that. (laughs) All right. So a little background here. Badger is a benefit corporation. So rather than being legally required to maximize profit for their investors, like a lot of companies are, they are required to funnel a portion of their profits back into just doing nice stuff, like taking care of the environment and improving the quality of life for their employees, which is how this whole babies at work thing came about. Yeah, let's get to the babies. Um, Kristen, I got to say that this (laughs) sounds like a total nightmare. (laughs) Like, it's a nice idea in theory, but I'm not even sure I'd want to bring my baby to work. You yeah. Know, like, like when Sasha was a baby, it was insanely hard to get anything done. Like I had I had spit up and poop all over me. I was like uh, sleep deprived. Like being a new mom is not glamorous, um, especially not when your baby's around you. Uh, I'm not really sure I'd feel great about my coworkers seeing all of that. And also babies are super needy. Like how do you even get anything done? Yeah. I totally get it. And I talked to an employee at Badger who thought that same thing. Part of me feels like I am that stodgy New Englander with the old school work ethic that was kind of unconvinced about the Babies at Work program. I used to work in a library. This is Emily Mason. And while she was working for that library, she would have told you, babies do not belong in the workplace. But then about seven and a half years ago, her first baby, James, was born, and her first experience with maternity leave was super duper rough. James had colic. He would just cry for hours, and it didn't help that Emily lived out in this super rural area. We were out in the woods, and he was just sobbing so uncontrollably that I just—he would cry, I would cry— it was so alarming to not be able to console him. I would literally put uh, chainsaw earmuffs to to cut the noise decibels. I would put those over my ears um, just for the shrieking. And I would just hold him and love him and walk around the house. We didn't have close neighbors. Um, I, I don't think babies are supposed to be raised in isolation. So Emily's maternity leave ended, but she was really freaked out about going back to work when she had this colicky kid, so she decided to take a year off with James. And then when she was ready to go back to work again, she found this new job at Badger. And about a year and a half after she started working there, she found out she's pregnant again. Oh, so so baby's at work time for Emily. Right, right. But— As I mentioned, she was kind of worried about it for all the same reasons that you mentioned, Uh uh, especially worried about, like, getting work done. 
And she says that the thing that really sold her on all this is that Badger has what she calls this benevolent architecture in place to make this whole thing work. Benevolent architecture? What does that mean? Right. So she means that the program's really super structured. So parents sign this contract with HR before the baby comes to work. Um, It's set up so that the baby usually arrives when they're about three months old and stay until they're either six months old or crawling, whichever one comes first. So, you know, by the time that they're getting a little bit more rambunctious, it's time for the baby to head off to daycare. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine, like, which is worse, having an office full of babies crying or an office full of babies crawling? (laughs) Exactly. So another thing that they've set up is that the parents are there 40 hours a week, but they get paid for 30 with the assumption that 10 of these hours are just going to go to taking care of the baby, which actually is something that a lot of parents told me they really liked because it meant that if something came up with their baby that they had to deal with, they could just kind of go and do it completely guilt-free. That's cool. Yeah. And the other thing, and this is key, is usually there's a separate space for this baby. So it's like a conference room that the parent can use as an office in a nursery. Um, so it's not just like it's an open plan office with a wailing infant. Man, uh, that, that sounds like uh, maybe I should have another baby so that I can get a private conference room at work. <laughs> <laughs> right. It sounds pretty nice. Just sit there and have a little conference with your baby. Yeah. <laughs> baby, take the minute. <laughs> right. And then they also have a game plan for when that baby gets fussy. So there are two designated baby holders. Baby holders. Right. (laughs) Hard jobs to fill. These are people? These are people. They're people. (laughs) They're other employees at the company, usually parents that have kind of been through it, veteran parents that can kind of serve as a backup if the parent needs to take a break or go to a meeting or something. Some places have, like, uh, dedicated fire marshals for, for like, fire drills. Right. And some have baby holders. Same thing. (laughs) So... All of this meant that when Emily was ready to come back from her maternity leave, there was this whole structure that she and her baby daughter, Elin, could fit right into. She could still be immersed in this job that she was really great at, and she didn't have to leave this huge new part of herself at home. She didn't have to pretend that the mom side of her didn't exist. Exactly. And it could not have been more different from the last time around, you know, instead of being out alone by herself with noise-canceling headphones. This time she had this whole amazing support network of lovesick grown-ups around and people to hold her baby and talk to her baby and help her out and give her advice. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was a total game-changer. Having Elon in this program just built this whole tribe. I mean, it really became a community for us. Here I was entering the workforce, and that's where I found this experience of uh, multi-generational village, um, where people were really supporting our family. Okay, you've convinced me. I love it. Let's bring the babies to work. Everyone, have babies at work. Right. The end. No, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's this perfectly smooth, seamless process. Let me introduce you to Ryan Clark. It was a lot of trial and error. Um, Things at that age change so rapidly. uh, Something that you think is a routine one day is completely thrown out the window the next. Ryan was actually the very first dad to bring his kid to Badger. Um, His wife is a clinical psychologist at the VA, which crazily does not offer paid maternity leave. Hmm, I didn't know that. Right. So so she ended up taking FMLA unpaid for three months after their daughter Willow was born. And meanwhile, Badger's HR department started approaching Ryan to see if he'd want to bring Willa to work himself. They were like, please bring your baby to work. Right. We want that. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. And it was a rocky start. So first, there was all of this construction happening at the company that was keeping her awake. Willow was super fussy and crying all the time. So then they moved her, and the overhead lighting was a problem because that was keeping her awake too. So Ryan got this little portable co-sleeping mattress, and he propped that around her bouncy seat and then covered all that with a cardboard box, and he made her a little fort. So I you know, I spent like half a day building this thing, and like I made it very nice on the inside. I, I draped this, uh, this nice scarf on the inside so that she'd have something to play with and it just wasn't a cardboard box, but I sent a picture of it to my wife and she was horrified that I was putting our daughter into a uh, what she called the kennel. Um, so so that, that was a short-lived um, experiment. Ryan says those first couple weeks with Willow were really rough. And it was actually his coworkers that were the ones that convinced him to stick it out. Like, they wouldn't even bat an eyelash when he had to thaw his wife's breast milk in the communal coffee mugs. <laughs> Kristen, that is the first time I've ever heard anyone say anything about a man doing something with breast milk at work. I know. It is so awesome. And, you know, Ryan says it was this total Willa love fest. Like, it's clear that they didn't see his baby as a burden. They saw her as a bonus. Ryan remembers this one day in particular. She was not sleeping very well. I was really uh, stressed out because I was thinking I was disturbing everyone else in the work environment because because she wasn't sleeping and she was getting upset, and so I was having to take her outside. But in order to get outside, I had to pass through customer service. And right in the middle of, of me walking through customer service, she let out this just, it's probably the loudest scream I've ever heard her actually <laughs> emit. And uh, I was I was mortified because I'm like, there are you know, customers on the phones and... I heard one of the customer service agents go, oh, that's just our babies at work program. We have a dad here who has, has their daughter at work. And they say they actually turned it into almost a selling point for Badger to say, that's our babies at work program. We're really proud uh, of this. I heard this from a lot of people with Badger. The crying thing, which I feel like would be the biggest thing, uh-huh. is actually not nearly as big a deal as you'd expect. I mean, you do occasionally get that baby crying cascade. Here's Stephanie. She's that mom that you heard from the beginning of the story with the tequila. <laughs> How could I forget? You know, sometimes I can remember a few times that we had a few babies in a meeting and one would start crying and the other would start crying and then we'd have them walking outside. And in the old building, it was a little bit funnier because we could still hear them. There was no hiding the babies in the smaller space because even walking around the building, no matter how many laps you did, you could just hear sort of every two minutes a little wail going by. Yeah, you know, a little, and then maybe quieter, quieter, and you could tell when the babies would fall asleep. And so, you know, it's just, um, I think maybe in other companies it might be hilarious and more dramatic, but here people might just smile and say, oh, somebody missed a nap and it's not, you know, it's just, just a normal, normal part of the day. But, but what if you've got a real crier, like, like a noise canceling chainsaw headphones level crying baby, like Emily's first kid? Then what? Well, Badger's really clear that this program is an opportunity. It's not an enshrined benefit. So they don't promise that it's going to be the right fit for everybody. So so are you telling me there's baby discrimination going on here? Like colicky babies need not apply? (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, it's more just an understanding that every baby's different, you know, and something that works for one baby doesn't necessarily work for other babies. But so far, they've actually been batting a 1,000 with babies at work graduates. They found all these really creative ways to make it work. So, for instance, Stephanie's first baby, Liam, came into the office with her. But then she had double babies. Twins. I mean twins. (laughs) We never, ever anticipated we would 
literally have two babies at once. Um, never mind, try to work with two babies. And so they were the first twins in the Babies at Work program. Stephanie figured out pretty quickly that it was not going to be a good idea to bring the twins with her into the office. So instead, she set up work from home. And she says that was probably for the best. I have to say, I had many, many days that were just shut down completely because I had two newborns and you never really know what's going to happen with one. And so with two, the chances of your day going south just sort of rise exponentially because with one baby in the office, you can breastfeed and type at the same time. With two babies, you have no hands free. It was sort of a a completely different workflow because a lot of my day was spent, um, you know, just sort of stuck under, stuck under two babies or, or frantically trying to change one diaper with another baby rolling on the ground. Another, it was just, it was just, there weren't enough arms. It's a sink or swim situation. (laughs) But wait, Kristen, I'm just kind of stuck on this one question. Why doesn't Badger just set up on-site daycare for the babies instead of have the parents carry them around? Like, like a lot of workplaces do that, and, and it seems like it might be easier for everyone to get work done that way. Well, so I talked to this organization called the Parenting in the Workplace Institute. They're actually the ones that Badger consulted as they were setting up their program. And they said that on-site daycare is actually really cost prohibitive. You got to pay for a facility and you got to get permits, hire a certified daycare provider, you got to get liability insurance. But Babies at Work has, like, zero upfront cost. You just need a baby and a parent and, you know, buy-in from the other employees. Well, the, the situation sounds great for moms, right? But what is in it for the company? Why would any company want to do this? I, I was thinking this too. But, you know, as I talked to everybody at Badger, I started realizing that like, whether they even mean to do this or not, this program might be having some really unexpected benefits that a lot of companies can only dream of. And I'll tell you more about that after the break. I will not go away. Can you say advertisements? Advertisements. (laughs) Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Eleanor Amplified, an original family-friendly podcast from WHYY. Join our hero, the world-famous reporter Eleanor Amplified, as she foils evil schemes, outwits cunning villains, and gets the big story. What is that? Subscribe today. <laughs> We are back, and producer Kristen Clark is telling us about Badger and their Babies at Work program. All right, so Kristen, tell us, how is this possibly a good business strategy? 
Okay. So the first thing that I learned in my reporting is that this whole problem that we started off talking about, about these awesome women at the height of their skill that are getting pushed off the work cliff, this is something that companies worry about too. So high-skilled employees are this huge investment, and that whole investment just evaporates if women are not coming back to work after becoming moms. Plus, you've got recruiting costs, you know, to find new qualified people. Um, You've got the loss of productivity when that position goes unfilled, which for some high-skilled jobs can take, what, like five months? Exactly. Yeah. So you could argue that Badgers created this whole infrastructure basically to keep new parents connected and engaged at the company. Like, Like instead of a cliff, they get a bridge back to work. Yeah. And because of that, their turnover rate is super duper low. And then there's this. Badger's always been a really fun, wonderful place to work for. But um, when I first started here, it was much more just a punch-in, punch-out job. My feeling of connection to others has deepened um, more than I ever thought possible. Um, You know, it just is such a feeling of being in it together. That's Emily Mason again. And what she's talking about is basically workplace engagement. She says that the fact that Badger was willing to support her family makes her more invested in her coworkers and in the success of the company. Badger actually did a survey recently that found that their employee engagement is 88%. Just like through the roof, right? Right. It's a number that a lot of manufacturing companies would be really excited about. I mean, this is a place where people are willing to hold each other's babies and shift job responsibilities and office space around so that somebody on an assembly line can have their baby at work, too. And people said that all of that initiative and that care for each other, it spills over into the rest of their work. It sounds like they're really good collaborators and problem solvers. But it makes me wonder, what about non-parents? Like, is it worth it to them to have to adjust their whole office culture for a bunch of babies. Well, what's cool is that, you know, people told me that it wasn't just parents who felt supported there. The culture of the company is all about, you know, embracing the fact that every employee is a full person and, you know, has interests outside of work. So there's support for parents who have to take care of sick kids, but there's also support for non-parents who like gardening or, you know, aerial yoga or who want a couple days off to travel with a dance troupe or something. Definitely enrolling Peter Clowney in aerial yoga now. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately. But get this. Badger spends exactly $0 on recruiting costs because people actually stock their website waiting for a job opening. Several people told me they happily took pay cuts to work there because they liked the culture. Okay, so that's working out pretty well for Badger. Yeah. And there's this other thing that I think businesses probably should be talking way more about, which is that there are all of these special skills that parents specifically bring to the workforce. So you know we've been talking about the ideal worker, right? Yeah, like the worker who's willing to put in all the long hours, the weekend time, the face time. They're like always available. These are all things that are really hard for moms to pull off. Right, exactly. So here's Stephanie, that same mom that we were talking about before the break, who was stuck under twin babies. Mm -hmm. She has a totally different take on this idea. What I'm not understanding is how more companies do not recognize in parents coming back in the workforce that they have insane skills. They're, they're so good at balancing crisis and need, ongoing need, immediate needs, crisis, everything all at once. They are your ideal worker in almost any situation. Any person that stays home with children and manages a household and does anything on top of that with life is a little bit of a superhero. (laughs) 
And Hillary, this is not just one mom's idea. This is backed up by research. There was this 2014 study that said that women with little kids do take a hit to their productivity at first because, let's be honest, having a baby is insane. Uh Uh-huh. Right. (laughs) But later on, it's been found that moms are actually more productive. They're more focused when they are working because they don't have time to screw around. That's for sure. Right. And and those gains in productivity don't go away. On average, women with children outperform women without children in terms of their productivity per hour across their entire career. Because moms get shit done. Right. So then the only possible conclusion is that Badger's founders are genius business strategists. Well, I mean... I'm not motivated by money. I mean, I like, I like money. Money's cool. You know, you can buy a flannel shirt. You can buy things. That's really good. But that's not my motivation. That's Bill White, Badger's founder again. And this is his genius strategy. We have a... a a statement in our mission statement, which is money is a fuel, not a goal. We're almost always profitable and we're very stable and we're a very successful business. And you could say it's despite spending money on things that don't make you money, or you could say it's because we do the right thing and it comes back to you uh, multiplied. So whether it's about the bottom line or not, Bill says babies are good for business and he misses them when they're not around. Says he can't wait for the next one that's coming next year. In the meantime, he's considering other options. I'm serious. I would rent babies. I would have people come with their babies and sit around and, and knit and play the flute or something. I think it'd be wonderful. <laughs> it sounds wonderful, i got to admit. Having babies at work, uh, renting babies and flute players is not not practical for all offices. That's, um, that's fair. That's right, fair. So. <laughs> So, you know, Kristen, you've been researching this for a while. Um, What can other businesses do uh, to keep new moms from falling off that work cliff? I mean, there's a ton of stuff companies can do. I mean, I've talked to experts that say that one of the big problems is that a lot of moms get so completely overwhelmed when they try to come back from maternity leave and go full-time that they just quit after a couple weeks. So some companies are trying out on-ramping and job-sharing programs that allow new parents to slowly ramp back up their work hours. That's cool. So then then you don't have to just start cold right right after having your baby. Exactly. You can also provide on-site daycare. You can, for Christ's sake, offer decent parental leave for both partners rather than just maternity leave. And that's something we'll be getting into in the next episode, actually. And of course, flexible schedules are huge. But I don't know. I think it's also just about not seeing motherhood as this huge crisis to be avoided, you know? Like, to think more creatively and flexibly and look at some of these ideas that we've always assumed would be totally impractical and try to find the opportunity hidden in them. Well, Kristen, you've got me all fired up now. Like, let's harness all this potential that all these moms have that they've built up in their careers and let's keep them in the workforce. Yeah, let's do it. If you want to learn more about babies at work and find resources for setting up a program in your workplace, check out the Parenting in the Workplace Institute. They've got tons of resources and documentation and best practices to help you figure out how. We'll link to that in our blog post for this episode. That's episode 143. And while you're there, we want to hear from you. Parents, what were the biggest things that you needed to smooth your transition back to work after having a baby? We hope you're listening, you employers out there. This is on you guys now. Keep using the hashtag, it's a real mother, to 
to share your thoughts on workplace discrimination or to highlight what your workplace is doing well. Bosses, you can do a little bragging here too. This podcast is produced by me, Hillary Frank, with Kristen Clark and Abigail Keel. We had production help today from Jackie Sajiko. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov and directed by Allison Leighton Brown. We get editorial support from Amory Baldonado, Antonia Acatunde, and Reka Murthy. Special thanks this week to Carla Moquin. We will be back in a couple of weeks with the last installment of It's a Real Mother. Before that, though, a couple of exciting things. We'll have a mini episode with a behind-the-scenes conversation with Michael Beirut. His team at Pentagram made the video that you have been sharing for the series. And then... This is Tristan, and I'm here with Biff. Hello. Please, God, cut that out. (laughs) Please edit that part out. (laughs) We are going to check in with Tristan from The Accidental Gay Parents. He had his baby, you guys. And we actually won an award for the most recent episode with him from the Third Coast International Audio Festival. As we're recording this, we still don't know what award we won. We're we're heading to Chicago to meet Tristan for the first time in person and to find out what we won. So we will have an update when we get back. Do not miss any of this. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like. You guys... The life of a working mother is a real mother. Let's change it. It's a real mother.com. Stitcher. I say it. Okay. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.